0: Uh, A a few years ago, there was a man named Clement uh, Bhatti, and he was from Pakistan. He was a Christian politician. Um, He started his uh, political life uh, in 2008. Um, But the reason he became a lot more famous, or I guess infamous, is because in 2009, Clement started receiving death threats against him and his family when he spoke out in support of Pakistani Christians who were attacked in the 2009 Gojira riots. Um, Over the time, he, he continued to get death threat after death threat, and yet his faith didn't waver in any way. In fact, if anything, he continued to speak for the Christians in Pakistan. Unfortunately, two years later, in March of 2011, Clement was shot on his way to work, and he was pronounced dead at the hospital. Later, a terrorist Taliban group told the BBC that they carried out the attack because of Bhatti's faith. Now, in February of 2011, a month before he was assassinated, Clement was in Washington, DC for the National Prayer Breakfast. And he had this interview with the Christian Post. In this interview, Clement was asked how do you deal with the multiple death threats that you get he was asked how is it to be a Christian in a nation that is predominantly Muslim and this is what he said I'd like to share with you he says in the past I faced assassination attempts I faced harassment intimidation and prison due to my bold stance on this issue but these difficult challenges strengthen my faith, strengthen my belief, and strengthen my commitment and devotion to this cause. I can be killed, but I will continue to follow the principles that I believe. I will continue to raise the voice of the voiceless, and I will not fear these threats because I follow Jesus Christ, who has given his own life for us. So, as a follower of Christ, my destiny is to speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. The reason I bring up Clement Bati is because as I read the life and the sermon and the death of Stephen, I couldn't help but see so many parallels because I see two men who are just so passionate for Jesus Christ. And I see two men who are so evidently full of the Holy Spirit. And I see two men who have risen to such great heights in their proclamation of Jesus Christ, and yet at the same time, in our eyes, seem like their life was cut short through death. You know, as I was looking through Stephen's life, I, I realized there's so much that I can personally learn and so much that I want us to learn together. Stephen is almost used as this bridge between Peter and Paul, these two giant men, and we have Stephen. And I think the reason why he's put as a bridge is because he's wants, is because Luke really wants us to see that he's just as much as a, as a giant as those two other men are. Because he was taught by Peter in the early church, and yet he was killed by a mob who was led by Saul, who would later be known as Paul. And I think that it's fair to say that Stephen's sermon influenced Paul's understanding of the gospel. In fact, S. Lewis Johnson, who is a famous pastor and theologian, says that Paul's understanding of the gospel had to have been shaped by the sermon that Stephen preaches. And so, what I want us to do today is something really simple. I just want to look at the life of Stephen. Because I think that he is a great man of God for us to look at and for us to emulate. Not because he himself is a great man, but because Stephen does everything possible to emulate Christ himself. And so I want us to look at three things that define Stephen. Number one is his character. Number two is his sermon. And number three is his death. Okay? The first one is looking at Stephen's character. In verse 5, you see, Stephen was described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and in verse 8, it goes on to describe him, and it says, Stephen was full of grace and power and was doing great wonders and signs among the people. You see, Stephen doesn't just have faith. He was full of faith. It doesn't say that he just had grace and power. It says that he was full of grace and power. In the Bible, when it means to be full of something, it means that you are controlled by it. It means that that's how you look at the world. It means that that's how you are motivated in what you do. That means you are filled with it. It's the same kind of understanding that we have in today's world, if I say that this person is filled with anger, it doesn't mean that they have some anger and some happiness and some whatever. No, they are controlled by their anger. If someone is filled with joy, if I say, man, that person is filled with joy, they're not sometimes joyful and sometimes angry. And some, no, no, they are filled with joy. In the same way, Stephen in the Bible was known to be filled full of faith. For Stephen, you see, when he was filled with faith, that means two things, that he was filled with faith in the idea that God had a plan for his life, and he was filled in faith with the idea that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of his life. It was those two things. Because we're going to look into that. Chapter 7, verse 2, Stephen says, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Immediately when he begins his sermon for Stephen, he starts quoting Genesis 12, and he begins to tell the history of the world. When you look at all of chapter 7, mostly all he's doing is just quoting the Old Testament. He's just talking, oh, this is what Abraham did, this is what Isaac did, this is what Joseph did, and he goes on and on and on. And in verse 9, this is what he says. The patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. You see, Stephen, he was full of faith, not only in the Old Testament that it was true, but he was full of faith that God was the one in control of their most difficult times. See, Stephen was absolutely, had complete faith that even when Joseph was sent off into prison, that even when Abraham had a difficult time, that even when Isaac was in difficult situations, that God was next to them and directing their very steps. Because for us, we have this understanding of when we read history books, we think that it is politicians, we think that it is governors, we think that it is kings who are directing the steps of history. We think that it is the policies that they put in place that shape how history is formed. But Stephen had a different understanding. Because Stephen believed that God was the only one who wrote history. He believed that God had a plan and a purpose for all that happened to Abraham and to Isaac and to Joseph. That included the very good things, That included the blessings, but that also included all of the most difficult times of their lives. He believed that God had a purpose in every single situation because he believed that it would reveal more of God's character, more of God's purpose, and more of God's plan. He understood that the world was not more powerful than God's plan for each one of us. You see, verse 9 says that they were jealous of Joseph and that they sold him into slavery, and yet God was with him. There was nothing that happened outside of God's control. See, Stephen, he understood that. And because Stephen understood that God was in control of his past, it gave him clarity for his future. Church, do you have faith that even in your past mistakes, that God has written down your history? Do you believe that even in your worst moments, that God has a plan and a purpose for that time? Do you believe that even when things seem so absolutely difficult and confusing, that God is and able and will use that to reveal more of his character, to reveal more of his plan, and to reveal more of his purpose? That even for Joseph, in his most difficult time, being in prison, not knowing why he was there, that God was shaping him and shaping the world in order to fulfill his ultimate purpose. Stephen believed this. And that's why Stephen was so at peace with what he was saying. And he was so at peace with what was about to happen to him. Because he knew that if God had planned his very past, that he would also plan his very future. This is so important for us, church, because I know in the midst of such an unpredictable 2020, we look at our past And we look at all of the things that have happened. And we wonder how God could ever be in control of something like this. And yet the Bible is so absolutely clear. He is in control of it. COVID has not written the history of 2020. God wrote it. Your past does not write your history of yourself. God has already written it. And he is able to use even the worst parts, even the best parts, even the most confusing parts, even the waiting parts for his purpose and for your good. That's what the Bible says. That's what we believe. And that's what Stephen believes as well. He was full of faith that God had a plan and a purpose even in history. You see, Stephen also believes in something else. In verse 52, he says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you now betrayed and murdered. When Stephen says the righteous one, what he's saying is, look, you're, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Stephen believed in the Messiah. He believed in a Savior, and he believed that Messiah was Jesus Christ. For Stephen, he believed so strongly that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of the world that he was willing to bet his entire life upon it. He was completely controlled by his belief because he was full of faith in God. He was full of faith in these two things. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this so strongly. It's because many of us don't understand that we are all full of something, church. For Stephen, he was full of faith in God. But for all of us, we are full of something. And for a lot of us, it may not be our faith. For some of us, we may be full of bitterness. For some of us, we may be full of anger. For some of us, we may be full of our direction in our life. In other words, we're full in our careers. We're full in our families. We are full in ourselves. And when we're full of those things, what I've said before is that that's not going to mix with other stuff. We can't be full of something and also be full of something else. We can't be half joyful and half happy. Half whatever and half whatever. No, no, no. If we're full of something, then we're full of it. There's no mix. If our life is not full in our faith towards Jesus Christ, we will be full in something else. And I want us to really push and really dive into ourselves as well when you think about that. Church, what are you full of? Can you really say that you are full of faith? Are you full in faith of Jesus Christ, of what he's done for you? Are you full of faith in God of what he has already done and will do in your life? That even if you are in a season of waiting, in anticipation of not knowing exactly what's going to happen, in a season of confusion, are you still full of faith that as long as God has been faithful before, you know that God is still going to be faithful in your future? Are you still full of faith of that in that? Or are you full of faith in something else? Are you full of faith in your career? Are you full of faith in your family? Are you full of faith in everything else other than God? And so when that thing inevitably falls, which it will, you will end up crumbling. And I think that it's really evident in Scripture, that when you direct your life towards Jesus Christ, that when you are full of faith like Stephen what happens is that you are so much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit Spirit, and to the direction that God desires for you to go. Because when you're full of this world and when you're full of everything else but God, then even when the Holy Spirit nudges you, that even when God is speaking to you, that you may not hear his voice, Not because the voice of God is somehow too small, but because your heart has become too callous to him. And so I want you to really look into yourselves and really see whether this is true for you. Are you full of of faith in the Lord, or are you full of something else? That was Stephen's character. Secondly, Stephen's sermon. What we know about Stephen's sermon is that, number one, it was just so controversial that immediately after hearing it, the religious leaders take him out and stone him to death. That's kind of crazy. This must have been a crazy sermon, right? And the more you read this sermon, the more I was able to read through it as well, the more you realize why the leaders must have hated it. Because you see, Stephen, what he does is he attacks the most sensitive spot For the religious leaders, and that was the rules and the rituals and the temple of God. You see, all of us have this, like, sensitive spot within our hearts, right? All of us have this part within our hearts that, man, if if someone even grazes it, if someone even barely touches it, we get irritated and we get super defensive. For some of us, it can be our intelligence, right? Mm -mm, Don't don't talk about my, mm -mm. for some of us, it can be our looks, right? Oh, no, don't don't talk about my weight. Don't talk about those things, right? For some of us, it can be our family. It can be a million other things. But for these religious leaders, what we know is that they're most sensitive when it came to the temple and when it came to the law. You see, what happened is that the, le- the leaders believed that as long as the temple was there and that as long as they were following the rules and the rituals, the road to salvation was secure. But Stephen comes in and says in verse 48, yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. In other words, what he's saying is just because you follow the rules of the temple doesn't mean that you'll go to heaven. And this completely broke the paradigm for the religious leaders. Because they were so set that, look, if I followed the rules, if I just followed the rituals, that if I just go to the temple, I will go to heaven. You see, for Stephen, he says, when Jesus came, he came to fulfill those laws. And now the things that you have built on rules, those things you don't have to worry about anymore. What you have to think about is a relationship with the Most High God. In other words, he says that, look, when you have a mechanical faith that just puts in whatever, that's not going to give you eternal life. Mechanical faith is dead, and just because you follow some rules doesn't mean that you are saved. Just because you follow some rules doesn't mean that you are saved. Church, I'm going to try to speak to you in today's kind of context, all right? what he's doing is he's warning a lot of people who go to church he's warning people who go to church uh, on service on Sundays he's warning people who go to life groups every now and one now and again he's warning people who sign up for a retreat or a bible study once a year and they think that because they did their part that they're automatically a Christian who will go to heaven He is warning people who think that Christianity is more about some rituals and more about doing a certain type of thing than it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm warning you, just as Stephen warned them, that if this is how you think of Christianity, then that is not how you are saved. You will not go to heaven in that way. Heaven is only given to those who have a pure and true relationship with Jesus Christ. Christianity is not about rules. It's a heart issue. Following rules and going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going into a garage doesn't make you a car. Just like going into an airport doesn't make you a plane. Stephen is trying to show that Christianity is about knowing and loving God for who he is and what he has done. Too many of us think that if we just follow a set of rules, that if we act christian enough, then we will be Christians. And yet the Bible never tells us that. Christianity is not about rules, it's not about regulations, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when you come to church, what is your motivation for coming to church? When you pray to him, what is your motivation for praying to him? That has to be your understanding. I'm not asking you to fill up the pews. I'm not asking you for a million dollars. I'm asking you, what is your motivation when you come? What is your motivation when you give? What is your motivation when you serve? Is it to really know and to love and to thank God for all that he has done? Or is it so that you can get an easy way into heaven? Those are two completely different things. And one will lead you to heaven. One will lead you to hell. Church, how would you define your Christianity? How would you define it? Is it a set of rules or is it a relationship? And the reason I'm saying this and the reason I'm warning you is because this was Stephen's main point in his sermon, and this is what I really want us to understand as well, okay? So we had Stephen's character, we had his sermon, and lastly, we have Stephen's death. You see, after his sermon, it says that the leaders were furious, and they stoned him. And in verse 50, 59 to 60 it says, "And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, "Lord Jesus, receive my spirit!" And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, "Lord, do not hold this sin against them." And when he said this, he fell asleep. You know the death of, um, the death of Stephen is a really difficult passage, but At the same time, I want to encourage you because it's one full of hope as well. Because even in the midst of so much hate from the people, Stephen was full of love. And he was so full of love that he was willing and able to pray for them. It says that he was so full of faith that he was able to pray for forgiveness towards those who were killing him. I want us to see the parallel here with our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, commentators say that there's no less than 12 parallels between the death of Stephen and the death of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, he did the exact same for us. Because when we were against him, when it was our hands that nailed him to the cross, it says that yet even while we were still sinners, Christ he died for us, and he was willing to take up that cross and spread out his hands and give us everything because he loved us. He loves us so much, and guess what, church? That love has not changed at all. And that love gives us the courage to fight and that glove gives us the pur- courage to persevere in all circumstances. Let me tell you why. Verse 55, it says, But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I, this passage is so cool because a lot, a lot of times in the Bible we see this wording before. We see Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of God. It's all over the Bible. However, this is the only passage where they changed the verb, where Jesus is not sitting, but it says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. And I think that gave so much courage to Stephen, because as Stephen was standing and fighting for his faith, and telling the people of how good Jesus is and how good God is. He was able to look up and see that Jesus was not sitting aloof and away and whatever. Jesus was standing, waiting for him with open arms. And that is the same Jesus that we have in our lives today. That Jesus died for our sins 2,000 years ago, yes, but he still loves us the exact same today. And that he is still standing and fighting for you. Then the Bible says that he is fighting and praying and interceding on your behalf right now. That even for us today, that as we fight, we fight because Jesus fought for us. That we are able to love others because Jesus loves us unconditionally. That we are able to serve others because he has served us to the uttermost. And that as he stands for us, we are able to stand for others as well. This is what makes us brave, church. And this is what I hope that you can take away. There is an eternal hope of glory for us as Christians. And it's not based in this world. Our body is going to one day fall apart. The Bible says that from dust it came, from dust it will return. We know this. We know that the year 2020 has been difficult with COVID, with all of these different things. That so many things that have been unexpected have happened. And yet we also know that our bodies are temporary. Our spirits are eternal. It's why Stephen is able to say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Because we can say confidently that even if you destroy this body, I'm still here. You cannot kill me because my body is temporary, but my spirit is eternal, and it will be with the Lord forever. Church, there is hope for you and I, and I pray that Shining Star Community Church will be defined as a church full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. This life on earth is short, This life on earth is full of surprises. This life on earth may be confusing at times, but know that our faith is forever. Know that Jesus does not change and that heaven is waiting for us and that is forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.